Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You guys, turn your back on me. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go have what you wanted. You wanted the Philistines God, I'm going to let the Philistines have you. You wanted the God of the people of Ammon, I'm going to let the people of Ammon have you. And sometimes what God does in the lives of his people is allows them to have their feel. You know what? You, you need to be broken. And God will just back off and let you, you know, you go, you go on and have that heart. You go on and have that relationship that you know is not my will for you. You go on and have at it until you're sick of it. Have you ever done things that you know you shouldn't do, but found that no one told you to stop? Has it ever felt too easy to continually do things that you know are wrong? Today, Pastor Bill explains that God won't always step in to change your sinful ways. In fact, God will even allow it to be easy or continue because he knows that you'll come right back to him. Stay close with God and be disciplined in keeping your ways pure. Save yourself the trouble and rid yourself of your sinful ways before it's out of hand. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 10 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. It's what we do with what we have and what we're looking for. Amen? So this guy had some stuff, and his kids had some donkeys, and they had some towns, and that's it. That's all the Holy Spirit has to say about his life. I'm saying, that's, I, I want more. I would like more to be said. I'd like, I'd like there to be more to say than I had some stuff, and my kids had some stuff, and we died. There's got to be more than that to accomplish in this life. So moving on now, look at verse 6. Now we look at the cycle begin again. It says, then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, the Asterisks, the God of Syria, the God of Sidon, the gods of Moab, and the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. That verse is saying a whole lot. So they, first of all, it says they, they again did evil in the sight of the Lord, then God expounds upon that. He starts naming the gods that they served and notice that they served the gods of other people. I have to point back for you guys that went to the book of Joshua with us. You guys remember that when God gave them the land, they went in that they didn't fully occupy the land. Right. They they went into areas and then they didn't put the enemy out like they were supposed to. These people that are left behind are here. And it seems like everyone every so often the Israelites, they, they bore of their life in God, and they begin to look at the nations around them and how they worship. And they all worship different things. The, 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 the god Baal was a weather god. It was associated with financial success. And so they would worship Baal, hoping that, you know, he would send rain and they would glorify him for the rain God sent. I want you to know that that bothers God, right? If, if God is like, I send the rain, I send the sun to all that process that happens for an agricultural society to thrive. God's, I, I'm in charge of all that. But they're glorifying Baal and they're worshiping him and offering him sacrifices in order to do so. And so Asterisk uh, was a god of fertility. And so a lot of times in the worship of Asterisk, there was uh, there was open sexual sin. So there was, you know, imagine a form of worship of a god where you got to you, you got to go to the temple and put in your time having sex. Oh, man, I got to I got to go worship. So imagine the people. So God's people would look at this and say, like, you know, you know, they would fall into these things. It's not much different from today where the people of God living among the people of the world 
at times you hear believers looking at the people of the people of the world and and wanting what they have, desiring what they have, being enamored with the stuff that they have instead of looking at them, realizing how empty what they have is, and how bad they need what you have. These people have gods that they carve with wood and they put eyes and put noses on them. When, you know, when the Lord spoke to the people in Jeremiah's time, so these people carved out gods and they put eyes in their God's faces, but they can't see. And they carved ears for them, but they can't hear. hear. And they carved out a mouth on their gods, but their gods don't speak. How foolish. And you find this, that people become like what they worship. So you worship something perverse, you become perverse. You become just like what you worship. Interesting, too, when people create a God to worship, they always create it a little less than them. You can't create something greater than you. You create something less than yourself, but then you become like it. Rather than worshiping God, and when you worship the Lord, it's always taking you up beyond what you could ever be. God never leaves us where we are. People that worship the true and living God, God's always taking us up to a higher place. God takes us up to a higher place of living, a higher way of thinking. Everything about the worship of the true and living God takes us up higher. Every form of idol worship will take you down lower. You worship something less than what you are, less than what you were before you started worshiping, and it just takes you down further and further and further. And so the people of God fell into worshiping the gods of the nations around them. So the other thing that they fell into was kind of going with the, just going with what everybody else was doing. Everybody else is doing it. And that's a temptation for kids and adults. When you start looking around, it's like everybody else, I'm gonna just, I want to do what they're doing. You know, how do we overcome that? Because we know that we're to be in the world, but not of the world. So how do we, how do we over, how do we overcome when we live in a world and maybe you're looking at people and it looks like, it looks like they're having fun, looks like things are going well, it looks like it looks like it's going better for them than for me. I'm honoring God. I give and and I'm serving and I'm at church and I'm struggling. I'm looking at my neighbors and they party every weekend, get loaded, cheat on their taxes and they got a new car and a, and they moving out, got a better place. You know, um, there's a Psalm. And if you, if you've ever felt that way, if you've ever looked around at the world around you and begin to struggle and stumble in your heart, I want you to write down Psalm 73 and I'm going to read a couple portions of it to you right now. Psalm 73, I'm going to start at verse one. It says, truly, God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But the psalmist says, but as for me, this is a psalm of Asaph. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued as other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. And I want you to skip down to verse um, Verse 16, it says, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. And notice when everything turned around for the psalmist, he says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I remembered their end. And he said, man, when I went into the sanctuary of the Lord, I remembered their end. When I got back around the people of God, when I got back to the word of God, I got reminded of the reality that it's not going to end well for them. And it says, surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down. To destruction. And I'm going to just stop there. The answer for the psalmist was, you know what? 
when I got my eyes back on the Lord, God reminded me that even though it looks like this on the surface, it is not the reality. And so maybe it looks like it's going better. But is it really going better? Is it could it really be going better for someone that's on their way to hell? It couldn't be. It's not better. Even if they're smiling all the way, it's not better. And so as the people of God, God's people at this era struggled as they watched the people around them. And it looked like things they, they got stumbled into, you know, worshiping their gods. And this happened repeatedly. So it was, it was an ongoing battle and struggle. And for you guys that have kids, your kids are going to battle. You raise your kids in a Christian home and there are things that you guys don't do. Your kids are going to be at school with other kids and everybody else knows those songs. Everybody else can do that dance. Everybody else is aware of these things. Everybody else saw that movie. And that'll be temptations for your kids because they're immersed in the world. And so we have to we have to know this as adults so we can pass it on to our kids. I got to be able to train my child and say, look, man. This is what that is. And this is why they are doing these things. But that's not what this is why we don't. You know, I made it a practice of not. I will never tell my kids. Just, you know, just no, you know, without answer, without without reason. Um, this is why they can't ever develop a conviction. Um, if the, all that they know is dad said no. And sometimes in a, in, a, in a jam, that's all you're getting at the moment. I'll give you an explanation later. Right now, I said no. Um, and that'll save your life. When I say no, you can't run across the street right now. Um, you just need to answer. You need to obey right now. But if our kids are going to develop their own convictions about these things, I got to sit them down and say, look, I said no to that because this and walk them through it and show them the verses. And hopefully in time, the Holy Spirit will help them to develop their own conviction where they say, you know what? Now, dad's not here, but I don't do that because of my conviction, because I read those verses and God spoke to me as well. Uh, we have to give our kids that. And so if you're a parent. And you do have authority for a reason. And if you say no, no means no. But but explain to your kids, give them give them something to go on because they live in a very tempting world. And as we look at these people here falling and we look at adults falling and we see kids falling. Why? Because it looks it looks fun. It looked fun worshiping those guys. It probably looked fun. It probably was enjoyable. The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. But it's a price tag on it that nobody wants to pay. And so. Now he says, um, so he named all the gods that they, they, they worship. And the last thing he says, it says, and they forsook the Lord and they did not serve him. And that word forsook literally means to turn your back on. And so they turned their back on the Lord. They sinned against God. They did this in, you know, you always sin against God in his face, right? That's, you, you never can sin against God and not do it in his face. But in this sense here, it's like, they're literally God's like, y'all are not just not worshiping me. You're not worshiping me and you're worshiping something else in my presence. It would be like a husband or a wife, not just cheating on their spouse, but doing it right in their face. Like you, you pull up a seat, stay, come stay in the room and doing it. That's unthinkable. But that's what people do to God because you can't escape his presence everywhere you go. He's there. That was in the psalm today. You can go to heaven. He's there. Anywhere you go, you can never escape his presence. He's always there, which should be a comforting thought if you're walking right. So moving on. Verse seven says, so the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. For that year, they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. And so from that year. So what God does in response is says, you know what? You guys can have it. He, he basically turns them over to the enemy. So you guys want to worship them. You guys 
turn your back on me. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go have what you wanted. You wanted the Philistines God, I'm going to let the Philistines have you. You wanted the God of the people of Ammon, I'm going to let the people of Ammon have you. And sometimes what God does in the lives of his people is allows them to have their fill. You know what? You, you need to be broken. And God will just back off and let you, you know, you go, you go on and have that party. You go on and have that relationship that you know is not my will for you. You go on and have at it until you're sick of it. Remember when the people complained against God? He was feeding them with manna every day in the desert. And they complained. They said, we want meat. You know, it was better back when we was in Egypt. We know we were slaves. And God said, you know what? Y'all want quail? I'm going to give you quail. And he gave them quail until it was coming out of, literally, until it was coming out of their nose. And I don't know. If, I mean, I've never ate that much meat where it's coming out of my nose. I've ate, I've ate too much before. But I'm like, that's, they ate it until God said, y'all go eat that quail. And I, I remember this. I was thinking, I remember when I was not saved. And I was drinking and partying and everything. And I remember the first time I got really sick from over drinking. I had drunk beer and I drank, 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 drank. And I remember throwing up and I remember I couldn't even the smell of I couldn't even do the smell of beer. Uh, my friend's mom worked at the forum. And I remember going that week after that. You know, I went to the forum on a Monday night and they had boxing and beer and peanuts. And I couldn't even stay. I, could, I had to leave. I couldn't even stand the smell of it. Um, and. I mean, right up front, I mean, once, once I had been, I was so sick of it, I couldn't even deal with the smell of it for a period of time. Um, and then what sin did is I went and overcame it so I could do it again. But, you know, I remember what it was to just be sick of it. Like, I can't even stand it right now. And God says, I'm going to let y'all get there with your sin. I'm going to let you have at it. You go for it. I'm going to let you have it until you're sick of it. And so God turned them over. And God does something here that he's not done yet. Every time they cried out to God thus far, what has God done? He's answered. He said, oh, okay. He comes right to their aid. Dad, help. After 40 years, he comes, boom, immediately send the deliverer and answers. This time, it's going to be a little different. Uh, this time, God says, no, nah, there's, a, there's a greater measure of brokenness that's needed. And so when they first cry out, his answer isn't, isn't favorable for them. So first of all, the people that they went to worship with, are it says they harassed them and they oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. If you look those two words up to be anybody here, been, it's, it's what it means in the English to be harassed um, and to be oppressed. That's what they did. They hated them. They hated they hated them. And so that they harassed them, they oppressed them, they treated them poorly. And God said, that's what y'all wanted. I'm let you 18 years of that. 18 years of being harassed and oppressed by people that hate you and hate the God that you're supposed to be serving. And it says all the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan and in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. Verse two, moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah, also against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim so that Israel was severely distressed. And so it says they were harassed, they were oppressed, and now it says they were severely distressed. I just want you to think about all three of those things, harassed, oppressed, severely distressed. This is the result of them doing what they wanted. This is the result of them going and worshiping other gods. This is what happens when people turn their back on God. They're harassed, oppressed, and severely distressed. That's the condition that they, they get left in. And then in verse 10, it says, And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you because we have both forsaken our God and served the Baals. And so they cry out. And so far, every time they've cried out, God has come through. Immediately. Verse 11, though. So the Lord said to the children of Israel, did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites 
and from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines. This is what God does. He's not throwing it in their face, but God is saying, wait a minute. I delivered you from the Egyptians. I delivered you from the Philistines, the Amorites. And then the people that are oppressing you right now that you went and worshiped their gods. I delivered you previously from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines. So I did my job. I delivered you from them already. And he's reminding them of what he's done. And then he says in verse 12, also the Sidonians and Amalekites and Maonites oppressed you and you cried to me and I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. I want you to sit on that. That is the word of the Lord. When God says, you know what? Therefore, he says, I did all that already. I delivered you from all these people and you you forsook me anyway. So therefore, I'm not I'm not coming through this time. I won't deliver you anymore. And I read this and think, you know what? To the people that because some people play games with God, some people some people take the grace of God for granted. And there are people that say, you know what? God, great God, forgive me. I'm just I'm going doing what I do. And I know God will forgive me when I finally get done. Man, I'm going to do what I want to do. We need to understand that this is not just an Old Testament principle. God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And there can come a point where God says, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to turn you over. I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter one or just write this down in your notes um, because this this happens. And I don't want I want to, I want us to know that it's not just an Old Testament. Some people think the God of the Old Testament is a different God. Like he's mean, bad Old Testament God. But the God of the New Testament is all juicy and gracious. Um, I want you all to know that it's the same God. In both testaments. Okay, so in the New Testament, in Romans chapter one, we'll find some of the same things transpiring. And so uh, I'm going to start reading at verse 20, verse 20 of Romans one. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. So one result, because they knew God, but wouldn't worship him as God, the result was that their foolish heart was darkened. Their ability to comprehend spiritual things was dimmed. Verse 26, second time he does it, he says, for this reason, God gave them up. To vile passions, for even their women exchange their natural use for what is against nature, homosexuality. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Third time, verse 29. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And so when it says God gave them up, God gave them up, God gave them over. The idea there is God took his hands off. God said, have it. You want that? Have it. And when you look at the, the spiral down, it seems like it, 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 it ends up with homosexuality. First, you wouldn't honor God as God. Then you worship and serve other things. And then women were going after women and men were going. It, it's, that spiral is going downward. That's, isn't that what our world looks like right now? That's what we're seeing happen around us. And so we need to be so careful because some Christians are looking at what the world saying. Yeah, that's, I think God's OK with that. I think God I think God's favorable. No, he's not. I hope I hope y'all know better. I hope that y'all know that the world climate does not affect the word of God at all. 
I listened to a, a radio program, so-called Christian radio program, where pastor of a church said on the program that, you know, the idea that couples can't live together and try each other out, literally have sex together. That's a, that's a lot of he said a lot of old Christians have a problem with that. But and he tried to make it like it was an old Christian thing. I'm like, I, I, I'm you be an old Christian or a new Christian. I got an old Bible, you know, like a, the, how do you rewrite that? How does how does the climate of the culture begin to because you got fake ministers that are in there for other reasons? And that's that's why. So hopefully we know better. And so just like God at this point, turn them over. You guys going to I'm turning you over. No, I'm not coming to your aid. No, I'm not going to listen. And every, I've done all these things for you already. And so, no, I'm not I'm not going to help. You got what you wanted. You've chosen that I'm letting you have it. We need to know that there can come a point where God will say, you know what? I'm gonna let you go. And I, I don't say that, that we would, you know, I, I, I believe that that should cause us to, there should be a fear of the Lord in all of our hearts. There should be a recognition that it's not a game. We can't play games with God. God is holy. He's, he's real. He's holy. And so we want to, we want there to be a sincerity about our lives and our walk before the Lord. And so they didn't honor God here. They didn't appreciate what God did. They didn't respond to the work of God for them in worship. They responded in, in disobedience. And God says, so now I'm not listening to this time. And he said, therefore, I will not, I will deliver you no more. Uh, if you're writing notes, write down Jeremiah chapter two, verse 13. And it says this, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no waters. And so God said, look, my people have committed two evils. One, they forsook me, and then they went and found cisterns, things that hold water, but it was they were broken. They couldn't even hold anything. Everything went in just poured right out. Um, God said, that's what my people have done to me. Verse 14 now in, in uh, Judges 11, it says, go and cry out to the gods you have chosen and let them deliver you. In your time of distress. And some people read that and be like, God said that? God said that. God said, you know what? Go cry out to them gods. Y'all been worshiping. I watched y'all. Go ask them. Go go let them help you. And uh, I don't know if you guys ever had your parents do you like that as a kid, you know, but um, I know my mother was good for, you know, rubbing it in a little bit. You know, she would, all, my mother would break, but you would get the rub, you were going to get it rubbed in your face first. So if my mom was right and you were wrong, you know, you were going to hear about it. And then she would still, you know, my mom would break. She would, she would, she would break and do what I needed her to do or whatever. But, you know, here, I don't think the Lord is rubbing it in their face in a bad way, but God is saying, go ask them. You, you've been at the altar of Ammon. Go ask Ammon to do it. Y'all know better. You was at the, the, the altar of Moab. Go ask Moab to help you right now. And you, cause you know, they can't interesting in our world and our culture, when something really devastating happens, everybody all of a sudden knows where to really turn. 9-11, churches had record attendance across the country. Somehow, all of a sudden, everybody, the mosque, they wasn't happening at the mosque. They wasn't at the Buddhist temple, you know, going, hmm. They wasn't there. Everybody showed up back at church. How come? Because in their true heart, people know that they know this is the truth. That is the evidence that people out there playing games. When something really devastating happens, everybody ends up. Churches are packed to capacity. I remember where I was, they had to put out extra seats and try to make fire marshal cold and people could get in there and, and it, it wore off in a week or two. But but immediately, wow, everybody knows where to go. Everybody, These are all the people that's supposed to be here that's not here, showed up. And 
And they knew. They knew that we need help and we need God, and they showed up. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill has been working his way through the eventful book of Judges. In this book, you hear about men and women of valor and courage who were willing to risk their lives but put their faith in God to the test. Gideon is just one that comes to mind as he asked God to show him what he should do, and God showed up mightily. God delights in seeing your faith go big. Do you believe God for big things, or do you sink into believing that it's too difficult for God? God just waiting to see you ask and trust Him for things in faith. Maybe you'll have a faith story that equals some of these people in the book of Judges. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we love to see you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and a midweek service on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Under the teaching tab, you'll find links to our messages. While you're at the website, why not download the mobile app? You'll get access to all our messages so you can have them on the go. If you haven't found what you're looking for on our website, feel free to call us at 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for listening. We look forward to next time as we hear a transforming word.